got to get my cup right. I got lectured on that during virtual services. I need the logo visible for you guys, right? <laughs> so I, uh, I can't start today without recognizing two very special birthday girls. Uh, my daughter turned nine on Friday, Marley. And then my niece Claire turned nine yesterday. I remember, um, I still remember, I was actually reflecting on it this weekend, uh, Jonathan and Cassie um, invited Melanie and I to go to Cracker Barrel uh, for dinner uh, just over nine years ago because they knew that we had been struggling to, uh, to grow our family, but they were pregnant and they wanted to share that news with us, but they wanted to kind of try and break that news to us gently because they didn't want us to, you know... Have, have any hurt feelings over it. And I just really appreciated that. But they didn't know that Melanie had taken a pregnancy test that day. And it came back positive. And so that uh, that night was a fun night for all of us. And uh, Marley was supposed to be born in July, but she came early. And my mother-in-law somehow was at two hospitals in 22 hours. So it was, uh, it was a fun day uh, for them. But we're so uh, blessed uh, by both of you. I love you, Marley. I love you, Claire. Happy birthday. I love you too, Joey. I know it's your birthday today too, man. <laughs> All right. So I want to just kind of talk uh, and continue our series. I hope everybody is doing well. To those that are uh, watching online, we love you. We see you. We are uh, just you know praying for you. We look forward to seeing you again soon. And I uh, just hope that you're enjoying our uh, services as we continue this series. I hope that God speaks to you, that he talks to you about being Devoted, And we had a, a great conversation last week where we talked about, you know, the importance of being devoted disciples and not bandwagon believers. Uh, one of the points that just really, like, I don't know, hit me uh, like a ton of bricks last Sunday was when we talk about daily devotion producing daily harvest. That the early church, what they did, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to getting together. They did this daily, and as a result, God added to their number daily those who were being saved. We know that we, we talked about how we can't abdicate our responsibility as disciples to the church. We, we discussed the fact that the church's role is there not just to make us good Christians, not just to help us grow in our own spiritual maturity, but to equip us to do the work of the ministry, to go out and share the gospel. We talked about how the, the conversation or the difference between a bandwagon believer and a devoted disciple is a heart issue. That the heart of a bandwagon believer is convenience. The heart of a devoted disciple is commitment. And we cannot sacrifice our commitment to God for the convenience of the world or the acceptance of man. And we then finally, we discussed the fact that when we are devoted, remember we said when we are devoted, we pull our vote away. I no longer have a vote or a choice or a say in the way that I live my life. Rather, I have surrendered completely over to God. It's such an important element for us to understand and walk in. And when we, when we, when we kind of just go beyond that, we all talked about last week, the importance of, you know, our dive deeper was to read through the book of Acts. And as you did that, I hope that you saw things that the early church, the ones that were, you know, among the ranks of the devoted, I pray that you saw things that they were doing every single day that you needed to incorporate into your walk with God. I pray that God revealed those things to you and that you were able to walk in those. 
And even if maybe you didn't take that step, I at least pray that God gave you a desire for more. I pray that as you read what was happening in the early church and how uh, just the gospel began to spread like wildfire and you began to see how God was using the people, that there was something birthed inside of you desiring more. And we're going to be talking about that today, that desire, as we work through this series called Devoted. Every week we're going to spend uh, you know, some time looking at what each letter of devoted means. So devoted starts with the letter D. So we're talking about today that desire is the first step on the path to devotion. So as we open this service, let's just surrender this time to God. Let's pray and, and just ask him to ignite a desire in us. That it is a desire that is greater than the desires that we have for our current state. A desire for a different future. One that aligns with his will, his word, and what he has for us. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today and we worship you, God. We surrender to you right now. God, we acknowledge that each of us have our own desires. We walked in here with things that we want, things that, you know, are just part of, you know, what we say that we want, Lord. But we surrender those desires to you in this moment, God. And we ask you to replace those desires with your desires. Put something inside of us right now, God, that is, is just for you and only for you, that just is so much stronger and overcomes the, the desires of our flesh. Help us to recognize the change that you want to bring in our hearts, in our lives, God, and then through us in our community. Give us a desire for the work that you want to do, Lord, and let that desire just grow into devotion. We thank you for this, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I mentioned, we were, uh, I, I encouraged you to read the book of Acts last week. And I hope that as you read that, if you haven't, please just, please still read that book. Because as you look at what happened in the early church, I pray that God just revealed to you some things about his power. I pray that as you, as you watched and you just read how God was literally bringing thousands upon thousands of people to Christ in a single day. And he did that more than once. I pray that as you read and you saw that there were miracles of people that were sick being healed, that there were people that were dead being raised back, that people that were afflicted with demons were being set free. I pray that as you read that or as you read it, that God ignites in you a desire to see that in our community. I pray that as you read the book of Acts and as you see how God was, you know, allowing the gospel to be just preached and, and proclaimed to thousands of people all at one time, that you realize that God wants you to do the same. I pray that as you read about Paul, a man who was dead set against Christ and his followers, who celebrated in their, in their execution, who held the coats as Stephen was being stoned to death. I pray that as you read about his conversion and the power that he preached with after seeing Jesus face to face and how God used Paul and transformed Paul, I pray that you have a desire and a recognition that God can and will do the same in you. You see, as we read through the book of Acts, entire cities were being turned to Christ. Entire cities, it says Lystra, all of them, Derby, all of them became Christians. Why can't God do that in Brandon? Why can't he do it in Bloomingdale, Valrico, Riverview, Dover, Sefner, Tampa? Why? 
Listen, when I read my Bible, it tells me that I serve the same God that moved in the early church. My Bible tells me that God's power is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago, as it has been for all of eternity and will be for all of eternity from this moment on. So and I pray that you have a desire to see God move in our community the same way that he moved in the early church. The question, though, is if we have this desire and we know that God hasn't changed, we know that his power hasn't changed, maybe it's our desire and our pursuit of him that have. I'm part of a, um, a Christian leadership group called C12. And every month, you know, we get together and uh, we have a, a great uh, conversation and discussion about what it means to be a leader in business as a Christ follower. How do you, how, how do you, how do you work those into one another? Because I'm not, I'm not a pastor and a, a, you know, a VP at a company. Like, that's not two separate identities. That's, that's who I am, right? I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian who I'm a Christian who happens to work at a company, right? You are all believers. I hope and pray that you are believers first and workers second, right? And so this 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 group that I'm part of, it's about helping us to understand how we can bring the gospel to life and how we lead and how we work. And every month we have a, an opportunity at the end of our meetings and we talk about you know the different goals that we have. What are we going to accomplish in the next month? And, you know, many of them are, are relational. Many people will say, you know, I want to make sure that I can get, take my, my wife out on a date once a week. Melanie's like, John, why don't you make that goal? Right? <laughs> we have four children, baby. That's why. <laughs> but no, so like there's, there are people that will say that. And I, I know there, there's, there's one man in, in the group that I, I, I've been in before. He gets frustrated with that sometimes. Because he's like, why are you only going to devote one day? to the love of your life, right? He just, he just, he challenges us and that kind of thing. And I just believe that God today is challenging us. Daily devotion produces daily harvest. And if we want to see God move in our community, then we got to be pursuing God daily. We have to be after him with everything that we are. Y'all just ignore my daughter. She's cheering me on. She just, you know, Melanie's actually hoping that she falls asleep while I preach, which is what happens at home. But as we, as we think about this, if, our, if we have digressed from a place of devotion, then we know that change is necessary. The problem with change is knowing that change is necessary and desiring change are very different. Like, I know that I need to lose weight. I was going to blame my quarantine 15 on the camera, because you know the camera adds 15 pounds. But I was told that's not how it works. You see, the problem is I know that I need to lose weight. I want my genes to fit better. I want to be healthy. But you let Melanie make some cookies and you will see where my desire lies. I know that change is needed. But oftentimes the desire that we have, despite knowing that change is needed, our current desires overcome our knowledge of change that is required. You see, we need to get to a place where our desire for the future state, our desire for the things of God, the, God's will, what he wants to do in us, our desire for that is greater than our desire for the current state. 
And that that desire pushes us through the pain of change. Change is not easy. It is not fun. We don't like to change. We're comfortable where we are. Even if where we are, even if the the place where we are is painful, we choose the pain of where we are over the pain of change every single time. Because the change of where we are, the pain of where we are is known. The pain of change is unknown. And we would rather have a situation that we are aware of, that we can predict, that we can understand, rather than saying, okay, God, I don't know what the next step is. I don't know what you're going to require of me. But whatever it is, I will give it to you. I know there's pain to be transformed. I know there's pain for you to pull things out of me, but I know that it's good for me. I know that it's going to work out for my benefit. God, I know you have a plan and the pain of change is worth it because what lies beyond, what lies in that place that you have for me, God, is better than the place where I am now. You see, God has to ignite a desire in our hearts that moves us beyond our current state. Oftentimes, though, we we don't move into that or we don't even allow God to ignite the desire in our heart because we don't know what the next step is. We don't don't know, like, okay, well, what's going to happen next? We claim that we're being cautious, but in fact, what we are being is controlling. We are saying, I want that step. I want to dictate what happens next. I tell you, it, like in a navigation, I've used this example before. How many of you have a navigation system either on your phone, in your car? And how often are you saying, nope, that's not the right way? That, that, that computer doesn't know what it's talking about, right? Or it's like, oh, you, it's going to take me an hour? No, no, I can do that in 52 minutes. Easy, right? I mean, you've been there. You're laughing because you've done it, right? You're laughing because you've done it. We want to control We think that we have the plan. God says, get rid of your plan and follow me. God says, don't worry about what you think steps two through ten are. Take step one. Take step one. And that first step on the path to devotion is desire. You see, if you think about a butterfly, a caterpillar doesn't have to work or try to become a butterfly. It's Natural. It's natural. And so what we need to do is we need to surrender to God. We need the desire inside of us. We need to take that step. God, I desire something more. I desire your will. I desire to be transformed. I desire to be used by you, God. And then let him transform us. We will never, ever be able to create or do the transformation in our own lives that God wants to bring because he is God and we are not. We must let that transformation happen naturally. Let him bring that about. Another reason why people hesitate to even take the step into desiring the things of God or the plan of God is they think it's not enough. We think in terms of big sacrifices or, or large gestures. And listen, sacrifice will come. Sacrifice will come. But we need to be in, we need to begin the process. Devotion is what we are called to. Desire is how devotion starts. 
The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, I love, I just, this is an amazing verse. It says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Zechariah is writing about Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel is beginning the temple. Remember last week we talked about Haggai. We talked about it earlier this year where uh, the, the Israelites had gone back to Jerusalem. They took 15 years, but they didn't start the temple. Finally, you know, God confronts them through Haggai and Zechariah, and the work begins in Zechariah chapter 4. And God was speaking through the prophet Zechariah to the people, and he says, Do not despise these small beginnings. Because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I want you to be encouraged by that this morning. That even though taking a step of just asking God to change your desire, maybe it seems small, but you know what? The Lord is rejoicing at seeing his work begin in you. He rejoices at seeing his work begin in us. And as we continue this conversation, listen, I know you're probably thinking, John, I've got desires. They're just not godly desires. And this is why we need to have this discussion. Because oftentimes we give in to our fleshly desires instead of surrendering to the desires of God. And so I want to just share with you some scripture. What did Jesus say about this? Because our desires will control us. And so that is why desire is so critical. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We look at this passage and it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you read this in the Amplified What it says when it says, there your heart, it says, there your focus, there your desire, and there will be the things that you center your life upon. The things that you are treasuring will be a reflection of what you center your life on. The things that you are treasuring will be a reflection of what you are desiring The things that you are treasuring will be a reflection of whether or not you are living by the flesh or by the spirit. So my question for you today is what are you treasuring? Take a moment. Think about it. What are the things that you are treasuring in this life that are taking your focus away from God? Because your life is centering on those instead of on Christ. And Jesus says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he wants your heart. He wants your desire. He wants the center of your life to be him. Jesus goes on. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Sometimes, you know, I, I, I want you to understand, like, the reason we're going through a longer passage is because often you'll, we'll talk about the passage that we just read. We'll talk about, okay, well, where, where my heart is or where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. But that, 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 that verse has an important connection to this verse 
And this verse has a connection to Matthew chapter 5, which we'll get into in a minute. What he's saying is, your eye is, is the gateway into your body. And it's not just what you see. What he's saying is, what do you do with your eyes? You focus. You focus. So Jesus is saying, if you focus on things that are light, if you focus on Christ, then your whole body, your whole life will be full of what? Light. But he says, if you focus on the darkness, if you focus on the desires of your flesh, then your body, your life will reflect darkness. And then he says, if you, if you, if the darkness or the light in you has become dark, how great is that darkness? Why does he say that? Because in Matthew chapter 5, what did Jesus say? This is all part of the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, you got to read like Matthew 5 through 7 and 8, like realizing this is, this, is, this is a sermon that Jesus is giving. And sermons, their points are connected. And so when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, and then later in Matthew chapter 6, he says, if the light in you has become dark, how great is that darkness? He says, if your desires are being driven by the flesh, if, you are, if your focus, if your heart is on things of the flesh, if you desire the dark things of the world, then you cannot fulfill your role as the light of the world. So desire is critical. Desire is important. We must recognize our desires must be in the right place. Jesus went on, he says, no one can serve two masters. For either, either he, will be, he will hate one and love the other, or he will be what? Devoted to one and despise the other. This is something like I, I had planned on using this scripture. I had written the entire sermon. And then I was like, that word just hit me. It's like, wait a minute. It, it, Jesus said, you're going to be devoted to something. You're going to be devoted to something. You're either devoted to him or you're devoted to the world. And what do you say? If you're devoted to the world, if you're devoted to the world, then light in you has become dark. And how great is that darkness? He says, no one can serve two masters. And he says, you know, you can't serve God and money. But you can just transpose money with your job. You can transpose money with power, popularity, convenience, anything. He says, you can't serve God in anything else. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. So we are in a place where desire, we have to realize that we can't serve the master of our convenience. We must serve the Lord. We must surrender to him. Paul wrote about this in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. You see, this verse is again another example of why it's important for us to to read through the scripture very uh, very carefully. Recognize the words that are used and the order in which they are given. I think sometimes we interpret that where it says that, you know, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You know what we end up trying to do? We try to focus on not gratifying the desires of the flesh. 
Like we, we say, well, I'm not going to work to gratify my flesh as proof that I am walking by the Spirit. We've got it backwards. We've got it backwards. You see, Paul says the proof that you are walking in the Spirit is that you are not gratifying the works of the flesh. This is a formula. He says, focus on the spirit and the flesh will, will fall away. You don't even have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. So we need to understand the importance. He says, what we need to realize is if we, if we walk by the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We try so hard. We've all been there. How many of you have tried hard to not gratify the desires of the flesh? It's not easy, right? It's work. Paul says, focus on walking, on this, walking in the spirit. As an example, let's say your flesh wants to watch something on TV that you know does not glorify God. And you might say, man, I, I want to watch that. You've got the TV on. You know, all your friends are watching that. They talk about it at work. You know, your friends are texting you, hey, the show is starting right now. Are you going to watch? I'm on episode whatever. And like you're, you're, you're trying hard. It's a battle. It's a struggle. Because your TV's on. Because you're listening to the conversation. Paul says, walk in the spirit and you won't gratify that. So instead, turn your TV off. Instead of having your TV on, what if you, what if you were watching something like a sermon? What if you were studying your Bible? What if you were listening to worship music? Because if your focus is on God, you, you don't even have to worry about the things of the flesh. That's what Paul is saying. He says, when you walk in the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So walk in the spirit. He continues. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealous, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. That's not a period, that's a comma. And it says, and things like these. I warn you, I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sometimes the Bible hurts, right? To like read this kind of stuff and realize, well, man, that's a difficult truth. And I think it's, in, it's easy to interpret this as a list of things. I'm guilty of this, y'all. I'm guilty of looking at this and then looking at my life and saying, okay, well, that's not there. That's not there. That, ooh, wait a minute. That's not, that's not how Paul wrote it. Paul didn't write it as a checklist for you to measure your life against. Rather, what he's saying is these things are evidence of someone that is living in the flesh. If you were, in, if you were in, a, in a court case, they would be presented as evidence against you for living in the flesh. And we focus so much on trying to keep these things out of our life. Paul says, just focus on keeping God in your life and these things won't be there. That's what he's writing. That's what he's saying. And the list isn't just these, these 15 things, right? Sexual immorality, meaning sex out of marriage or outside of God's design. Impurity. Sensuality, meaning a lack of self-control or being controlled by your carnal desire. Idolatry. This is not just a wooden image. This means putting anything and everything before God. 
Sorcery, looking to things other than God for power and control. Enmity and strife, you know, having conflict and division, jealousy, anger, rivalries, where you're pitting yourself against others so that you can come out on top, having dissension, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And then he says, and things like these. Again, what Paul is trying to get us to understand is that if we are desiring the things of the flesh, these, these sins will be evident in our life. And so he says, instead of desiring the things of the flesh, desire the things of God. Our desire must be changed. And Paul gives us the, the alternative. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. It is joy. It is peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I mean, you could read through the 613 laws in Leviticus, and you're going to find a law against every one of the works of the flesh. But there isn't a law against loving. There isn't a law against, against having a mind for peace or joy or self-control or gentleness or goodness. It says those who belong to Christ, what have they done? They have crucified the flesh with all of its passions and what? Desires. Part of being a Christian, part of being a devoted disciple is crucifying our flesh and the desires that our flesh has so that we can desire the things of God. So that we can walk by the Spirit. And when we walk by the Spirit, we will produce fruit. God will produce the fruit of the Spirit in our life. We can't do this on our own. I can't be loving on my own. I can't be at peace on my own. I can't be kind on my own. I need the Spirit. I need God to help me in all of these areas. I went into this detail because I want you to understand that part of, if the path to devotion begins with desire, it has to be the right desire. We must desire the things of God and what he has for us, not the things of the flesh. Our heart must reflect Psalm chapter 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Sorry, baby. It's okay. It's all right. She wants to hit Cassie. That's great. She's right back there. So Psalm 19. Every Sunday in virtual service. McKenna would be standing on our ottoman. We'd be standing for worship. Aunt Cassie, Aunt Cassie. So our heart must reflect Psalm 19. Let the word of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is what must Happen. This must be our constant prayer. This must be what we meditate on. This has to happen in our lives. We must understand that God, it's his desire to change our desires. It doesn't come naturally to desire the things of God. It doesn't come naturally. You see, in the garden, we were, we were, man was created in God's image, but then sin came in and distorted that image. But once we are saved, once, once Christ comes into our life through the, through the Holy Spirit and the process of sanctification from that moment, 
when I am saved until I see Jesus face to face in heaven. God remakes me into his image. He changes that sin nature that's inside of me for his. He uses my connection with him. He uses my relationship with him to change my desires, to change my nature into his. And so what we need to realize is that this doesn't happen on our own. Last week, I gave you the example of the fact that I don't like to do dishes, but I do dishes because I'm devoted to Melanie. Well, one night this week, um, I, I had been working, you know, all day. I worked all the way up till dinner. I needed to go like after dinner back to my office and continue working. Melanie understood that. And so like as, as we're like finishing dinner, normally our routine is Marley and I will clear the table. I will take care of the dishes. Melanie will take care of the babies and just kind of engage with them until it's their bedtime. Well, as I was beginning to head back to my office, Melanie, you know, she started cleaning the table. She started doing the dishes. And I looked at her and in my heart in that moment, did I want to do dishes? No. I knew that I had work to do. But I didn't want my wife to have to do something that I know that I didn't want to do. I didn't want to add additional burden to her. And so I, I, like, I said, Melanie, I'll wash the dishes. I knew I had stuff to do. But I said, Melanie, I'll wash the dishes. And then something beautiful happened. Melanie didn't want to do the dishes either. But her desire for me to have a moment to unplug and recharge with my family, instead of having to go straight from work to dinner, back to work, she said, no, John, I'll do the dishes. You go play with the babies for a few minutes. Take your mind off things. And so I went to the living room and I played with the girls. I played with Marley. And I got what I needed. I got a recharge. You see, my, my desire was so that Melanie wouldn't have to have a burden. Her desire was so that I wouldn't have to have a burden. And something beautiful came out of that. Where she, she helped me in, in a way that I couldn't have even articulated that I needed. And I helped her by keeping the babies busy. But that doesn't come naturally. You see, this, this happens because I love her. This happens because she loves me. But in the context of our walk with God, you see, he has to change our desire to a place where it's beyond what we want today. It is something that we want that is greater than the situation that we have right now. It will take us through the pain of change and we will honor him with everything that we do. Our prayer must be, let the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth, be acceptable to you, O God. But there is another beautiful promise in Scripture. Because I can't do this on my own. You can't do this on your own, and God knows it. So in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Like that, that verse, we need to celebrate this verse. Because God knows that our desires conflict with his. God knows that in our weakness, we cannot accomplish his desire. So what does he do? He gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is the kind of God that I want to serve. I want to serve God because he knows my weakness. He knows what I struggle with. 
And in that place of my own weakness, God gives me the desire to do better. And then he allows me, he empowers me to fight that battle and overcome. He gives me the desire to please him and the power to please him. Not in my own self, but through his spirit. Somebody needed that verse. I mean, maybe it was me that needed that verse today, but I just, that, that is an encouraging statement. We have to let God work in us. If we, if we don't, if we're not, if we're, if we're not allowing God to work in us, if we try to separate ourselves from his desire or his power, it's not going to work. Think about it this way. If you had something uh, wrong in your marriage, if something was, was breaking in your marriage, you might have a desire to fix it. But until you tap into God's power to love and forgive, it will remain broken. If you're in a situation of financial difficulty, you might have a desire to change that situation. But until you tap into God's desire and God's power, you're going to run yourself ragged. You must trust him. If you're going through any kind of difficulty in your own desire and your own power, it can't get done. But God's desire and God's power, it can. We have to realize this connection. You see, if I separate myself from God's desire, I separate myself from God's power. He will not display his power toward your desire. Do you hear what I'm saying? God will not display his power. He will not bring his power toward your desire, your fleshly desire. We need to recognize this. We need to be in a place where God, God's desires are our, our desires. You say, what about Psalm 34, John, or Psalm 37? That God's going to give me the desires of my heart. What, is the rest of that, what do the rest of those verses say? It says that as we surrender to God, as we focus on him, as we are committed to him, as we conform to what he wants in our life, you see what happens in that place is my desires aren't my desires anymore. They are his desires. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says that because there is no barrier between us and God, as I contemplate God's glory, as I pursue him, as I desire him with everything that I am, he changes my nature. He changes my desire. We must acknowledge, we must recognize the role of God's power and his desire, the connection between them. Now I know that this can be challenging as we, you know, I, I, I want God's desire in my life. I want his plan for my life. Am I alone? Anybody else want God's desire? We want to do the things that please God, right? But oftentimes in our pursuit of God's desire, we overcomplicate things. I have a friend at work. He will often tell us in a meeting, he says, now you have to be careful when you ask me a question, when you ask me to do something. Because someone will ask me what time it is, and I will build them a watch. I'd never heard that before. I love it. It's, it's like a statement of like overcomplication, right? You just ask him a simple question instead of looking at his own watch. I'm going to make you a watch, right? But I think we do this in, in our walk with God. Because we want to know what pleases him. We want to know his plan. And we look for his like master plan for our life. We look for his master plan. And forget his daily will. We forget the daily 
expectation. I've told you before, if God laid out his master plan for me when I was 15, when he called me to the ministry, all of the work that he did in me to get me ready for this moment would have been lost. Because at 15, all God told me, all that he told me was, John, I'm calling you to the ministry. If he had said, John, you are going to be the pastor of Kings Avenue Baptist Church. You know what would have happened when I was 15? I would have told my parents that we needed to change churches. I would have told my parents that we needed to come here right then. But it was everything in my life between the time I was 15 until we got here. And when we got here, I wasn't the pastor. God used all of those years. He is using all of those years, the work that he did. So I don't, I don't see God like giving the full tapestry. I see God giving us the step, the step, the step. And the step that he's giving us today is desire. Let's, let's recognize that in scripture, you want to know God's plan for your life? There is instruction after instruction after instruction on everything that you can do every single day that aligns with the heart and will of God. I just want to share a few with you. Because these are things we can do daily. These are things that we can do daily. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I know Vaughn loves these. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. Seek God with your whole heart, because when you seek him with your whole heart, what does he promise? You will find him. Micah 6, verse 8. Do what is right to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. 1 Thessalonians 4. God's will is for you to be holy. Chapter 5 says rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. James chapter 1 says, seek God for wisdom. Ephesians chapter 5 says, be filled with the Spirit, sing psalms and hymns, make music to the Lord, and give thanks. Can we do these things? Yeah. Can we do these things? Yes. Can we do them daily? Yes. John chapter 15, Jesus said, love each other as Christ has loved you. Uh, Matthew 27, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all you are, and love your neighbor as yourself. Ephesians chapter 4, do the work of the ministry. We are given the, the, the instruction book for life. We, we are given a roadmap to what God's will is for us every single day. And I want you to know, I want you to know that as you do these things every day, that is the process that God will use to transform you into his nature. And in that transformation, that is where his will for your life is revealed. Because in Romans chapter 12, we have this promise. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that, that by testing you may discern, that means you may understand, it may be revealed to you, it will be clear to you, what is the will of God? What is good and is acceptable and perfect? So what Paul writes in, in Romans 12, he says, as you do what God expects for you every single day, 
When you are devoted to God daily, his plan for your life will be revealed. You will know what his expectations for you are. And it starts with desire. We must understand and recognize that we are transformed by the renewal of our mind and the desire for that transformation. Is it going to be uncomfortable? Yes. Is it going to be worth it? Yes. Yes. So my question for you today, what is your desire? Are you desiring your current state more than God or what he has for you? Are you comfortable where you are? Because if you're comfortable, then you've probably conformed and you're not being transformed. The next question, where is your focus? Is your focus on the things of the flesh or is it on the things of the spirit? Are you tapping into your power for your desires? Are you trying to tap into God's power for your desires? Or are you seeking God's desire and his power? And then the last question, are you desiring and walking with God's, in God's expectations for you every single day? Now listen, are you going to get it right every day? No. All right, I, just, I want to manage your expectations. I don't want you to be surprised when you fail. You're not going to get it right every day. But every day, you've got to try. Every day, you get up. Every day, surrender to God. Every day. And you know what? Just because you fail at one point in the day doesn't mean the day is gone. How many of you have had a bad morning? Right? Don't you want that, that, that day to turn around? Often it happens after coffee, I know. But recognize, recognize that when we are devoted to God, when we have a desire for him and the things of his, his will and his plan for us, that's what grace is about. That's why he will forgive us when we sin, when we, when we fail. Just go to him and say, God, I, I blew it. He says, I know. But here, I'm with you. I will walk with you. I'll walk with you. Our hearts must be after God. So I'm going to pray. And just as we, as we prepare to sing an invitation, where is your desire today? Is your desire for something more? Is it for something bigger? Is it for something that God has? Or is it just to be where you are? My heart and my hope is that your, prayer, that your desire is for greater things. So let's pray that God ignites that desire and that, it's, that it drives us to whatever change and transformation he wants to bring about. Father, we come to you today. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your, your spirit, God. I thank you just for the direction that you give to us. Father, we are here. Many of us, God, we, we struggle with our own desires. We struggle with the things that, that we want and, and the things that, you know, just are comfortable and familiar to us, God. But right now, we understand that those things of our flesh that make us comfortable, the the current state that we're in, God, it is not what you want. And so, Lord, we surrender our heart to you. We surrender our flesh to you. We choose right now in this moment to walk by your spirit and not by our flesh, God. 
Help us to understand what it means. God, and then every single day, every day, God, let that desire increase. Our desire for you, our desire for your will, our desire for your your word, your heart, your spirit, Lord. Change us from the inside out. Let this, Lord God, we, we cry out to you for your power that is given uh, for, for your desire, Lord. Show us the things in our life that don't reflect you. Show us the desires that we have that are ours, that are our fleshly desires. So that we can cut them out, we can remove them, God, and replace them with your desires. We thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.